Hello and welcome to Right Wing Dharma Squads episode 24, uh, where we are taking a brief break from the Mula Madhyamaka Karika. We will return in a minute, but um, unfortunately today Storm couldn't make it and we thought it would be best to continue with him. He's been, you know, he's just on it so hard. Um, but I'm joined today by Aura and Kagyu, if you guys want to say hi. Hello. How's everyone doing? Um, yeah, and and the, um, the I actually, I think it was fortuitous, you know, these things are, I, I don't, you know, believe in coincidences anymore. <laughs> and um, there, there's something that's been on my mind. I mean, I, I put it in the episode title as, as forgiveness. Um, it's something that I've been, I've been thinking about for a while. And I have some things that I would like to say. Um, I'll probably put a t- Twitter thread up in a bit too um but before i get into that uh or i know you had a, a an article or something that you wanted to talk about and uh, it seemed pretty interesting so why don't you why don't you introduce that yeah sure thing so it's really tangential to um or like orthogonal to what you're talking about today um but i wanted to talk about it anyway even if we were going to talk more about uh nagarjuna so it's fine to just sort of wedge it in here at the beginning. What got me thinking was uh, a tweet I saw from a guy who's actually a really good Twitter follow. His name is Rolf, I think, Deegan or Dagan. Um, I recommend people follow him. It's at D-E-G-E-N-R-O-L-F. Uh, I always read it as D-Gen, like degenerate. <laughs> but uh, Mr. D- Dagan is not a degenerate at all. He's uh, he's somebody who studies... Uh, He's a science writer, but he's like a good one of the science writers, and he links to all kinds of studies that come out specifically in like neurology and uh, psychology, psychopathology, that kind of thing. And um, so, he, like every day, he's got a couple interesting links to some studies. And um, with the caveat that, of course, there's always replication problems with these issues and stuff. I wanted to highlight one tweet that he sent out just a couple days ago. Um, by about a study out of the UK. Um, and his summary of it is, uh, it says, when asked to evaluate images of faces as potential romantic partners, people suddenly develop tunnel vision, solely minding attractiveness at the, spent, at the expense of other attributes. And then just highlighting uh, a couple sentences from the summary from the paper itself. Um, so, so basically they're showing pictures of uh, faces to the test subjects and asking them to notice things about these people and evaluate them on various things. And then when they, well, I'll read. So when evaluating highly variable everyday face images in a context that does not require considering them as potential partners, participants can reliably perceive the traits and factors that are related to partner preference. However, despite being capable of these nuanced evaluations, when asked to evaluate images of faces as potential romantic partners, participants' preferences become dominated by attractiveness-related concerns. Um, and it, go, it goes on a little bit more. So basically the finding is that when people look at these faces, whether they're attractive or not, they can notice all kinds of things about them. But when the scientists ask the people to study them specifically on whether or not they're romantic, you know, sexually attractive, essentially, then the people lost the ability to notice other things about them. So they get this sort of tunnel vision on, you know, it, hot or not, right? <laughs> hot or not.com. Did they, so did they, well, sorry to interrupt and I want you to go on, but I'm just curious because this is setting off all kinds of interesting Buddhist epistemology bells. Um, did they ask them to evaluate other features and get different results, the same results, or did they not ask them to evaluate other features? They did ask them to evaluate other things like social role, like what are these people doing? Based on um, physiognomy or, or what? Or like yeah, because the they were in features. different settings too. Like they, it wasn't just like uh, neutral face shots too, right? And so, so they, the idea they is were, you, get, you, you exclude less information when you're evaluating for attractiveness versus when you're evaluating for social role? Is that? No, no, the opposite. They, they're excluding more information when they're evaluating on sexual attractiveness. No, that's what I mean. That's so, what, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, when you're excluding less information when you're evaluating right. for other things. And you're excluding exactly. more information when you're evaluating for attractiveness. So the exactly. control for this one was they were asking a, like a broad set of questions and then they asked again or they asked a different group about sexual attractiveness. And so you have two, I mean, is, That's right. is that what's being compared here? Yeah, the control is that the, 
well, actually, it's 49 pages. I only read the first seven pages yeah, of the summary, sure, but um, the the I don't know how well the how good the controls were, but yes, they're comparing what what can they tell you about this person um, when asked neutrally, and what can you what can they tell you about that person when primed with please evaluate these people based on romantic attraction. Sure. Okay, I see. And then when you can tell them more when you say like please evaluate this person for social rank. No, they just they, they just uh, just talk. Tell me about this person, right? Just a neutral uh -huh. question. Uh -huh. But that, but so oh, sorry, the same on, people, the yeah. people are fully capable of all kinds of you know they can they can tell you all kinds of things. Now whether or not you know how accurate they are, they're, they're accurate essentially. What they're saying is better than fifty percent accuracy, right? But their accuracy on these these things uh, goes down when they're saying like we're going to show you these people now. Please pick out the ones that are sexy or whatever, right? They lose the ability to tell you other to notice other things about them. But my my question is maybe I'm I'm asking this poorly. So, the only two things they asked are tell me about this person and how is this person hot? Or did they, did... So here are uh, here are the things they asked them to evaluate them on on the general one: sexy, attractive, vi vitality, adventurous, good job, status, resources, financially secure, trustworthy supportive, understanding, and warm. And they, so they, they, they did correlations with each other, right? So they look at, like, are people judging this person as warm, right? So I don't think the scientists are saying this person is warm, this person isn't. They're just saying there was a high, when they're asked to, to judge them on all of those things, the correlation shows that like, yeah, most people said this person looks warm, this person looks financially secure, et cetera, et cetera, right? When they prime them by saying you're only looking for uh, not not a partner or anything, but just like sex, essentially, all those all those various correlations went down. So the, the only thing that they were able to reliably correlate with other people was whether or not the person was sexy. Sure, I I get that. Um, okay. Okay. Sorry. Well, go on. maybe that... maybe I could maybe yeah. I can tell you guys where I'm going with this. Yes, please. Um, and then and then the. The questions about the survey will become a little more relevant. So what jumped out at me about this um, is <laughs> it's the fact that, well, there's two things. One is the way the mind works. And two is the way that these days we need quote unquote science to tell us things that <laughs> really ought to be a little bit more like common sense, right? And the reason it has to do with Buddhism um, to me is that the Buddha very specifically talks about that, that you can basically train your mind or shape your mind to focus on this that or the other um and that and i've i've harped on this before but things that feel like when you're inside you're inside your own mind loops things seem to have their own internal logic right like i'm thinking about my job or my fight with my wife or whatever is on your mind because that must be thought about this is the thing that needs you know it's making me think this right but of course what we learn as meditators, as practitioners, is that that's not at all the case. There, There's a loop that you're on some level sort of choosing to go on, and that with enough clarity through the practice of meditation and through contemplation of the Buddhist teachings, you can choose whether or not you're going to go down that loop. And of course, this is, there are varying levels of difficulty on this, right? You know, like some, some loops are much easier to get out of than others, um, but that specifically on the example of sexiness. I mean, this is essentially the, essentially the phenomenon of like simping, right? Of thirsting, right? Like basically if you are, if you're in the mindset that you're only looking at the sexiness of the person, you're not noticing like all their other bad well, well, this, features. Right? Yeah, well, sure. Of course. Sorry. Go on. But uh, yeah. No, go on. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, so from a kind of Buddhist epistemological perspective, there's, like there's a really kind of ironclad, very foundational distinction between sensory cognition or perception, which is non-conceptual, and conceptual cognition or judgments, um, definitive like ideas about stuff, which are which are conceptual, as I said. So. Um, and, and the way that conceptuality works essentially is by excluding information, um, from the sensory perception. So right. when you're looking at a face, let's say, 
like the, the question of like what kind of judgment are you going to be making first of all is entirely or very heavily dependent upon you know yeah you're priming what kind of question that you're asked or what you're what exactly it is that you're interested in or looking for um but it's also only by like excluding uh, causal information from the sensory cognition that you're able to make that kind of a judgment at all. So specifically when we're talking about, you know, th that's why I'm sort of, I wonder, uh, that, that was what I was trying to get at before about, um, you know, because from my perspective, now again, I think that, you know, one of the factors is, um, you know, the, the, the sexual drive is so central and so powerful that it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, when you're excluding information, looking for, you know, evaluating in terms of attractiveness, that that is a kind of more visceral and more powerful and direct kind of exclusion than, right. you know, if you're trying to evaluate for like, I don't know, how is the light reflecting off this person's face or something like, you know, exact shade of what color or whatever, like, um, these are maybe not as charged necessarily in the same way. And so, you know, more, even when you're filtering on the basis of that, that more information gets through. But I would want to see that data because, again, in terms of the, 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 the Buddhist model of how this kind of stuff works, it's the same process. It's the same process whether you're evaluating for attractiveness, whether you're evaluating for skin tone, whether you're evaluating for whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is that, like, it's precisely by excluding information that you arrive at judgments like, you know, this person is attractive, this person is unattractive, etc., um, and so to me, it's like, well, I feel like they're loading the dice. I don't know. Do, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, why, why am? No, yeah. it does. It does make sense, and that's kind of the point. Actually, is I mean, first of all, n equals ten on this. So I mean, quote unquote science. Oh, right? that's like, not even. Forget it. Yeah. Okay, that's not yeah. even. That's not data. Like, this this yeah, is interesting can... because this. It, this one Go might ahead. be one they can actually replicate because it's something that should be really obvious to any. I, I find it amazing that they'd have to have an actual study that they'd have to set up to determine. Well, this. and that's what, he was, that's what Aura was getting at. Yeah. The, the, so yeah that's what, also, you want to turn up your volume. We're getting some things in. The, I said something in the side, but uh, you're going to try to raise your volume a little bit. Okay. Who, me? Both of you. Oh. <laughs> Still? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think Kagu, you may be better now. Um, sorry, Aura, go on. Um. Well, you know, I'm not even reading our side chat because I'm too busy running. No, 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 you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, n equals ten, right? So, whatever. But there was they did iterate a thousand times for each one. So, at least for each individual study participant, they got some interesting information. But Kagi's point is exactly exactly right, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. It's not that this particular state uh, study is that revelatory or, or even that interesting. What it is is that we, you know, and I'm not trying to like trad post here or anything, but the fact of the matter is, this is these things are already very well established. A in common sense, but B on a more like uh, rigorous level by some ancient systems such as the Buddhist system um, that can tell you this. And it's not it's just like oh, wisdom of the elders, wise men once say what you focus on, blah blah. Yes, there are the wise man sayings in Buddhism, but there's also just there's like a very extensive explanation of why this is so and be an extensive explanation of how the steps you can take step by step to come to an understanding of this on your own, like on a very deep and real level. And what's remarkable to me is that a like Kagyu said that that we need a study to tell us this uh, and b well, really, which is the same point, which is that. You know, we need this imprimatur, uh, the stamp of approval from, quote, science, unquote, even if n equals 10, as in this case, right, to allow ourselves to, like, come to conclusions that are, you know, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's something of a, of a basic bitch point at this at this point, but it's definitely also yeah. true. You know, the science, the religion of scientism is uh, promulgated by a priestly caste of, of people in lab coats. And, and the, yeah. you know, they, they sort of tell us what reality is. And obviously, I mean, you know, I, I think it's funny to me, like these people are what they're trying to say, unless it, it's either blindingly obvious, as in this case, or I think more commonly, it, particularly in social, quote, science, unquote, um, it's the exact opposite of reality in a way much more profound. You know, people talk about religion as superstition, but the the. I think the reality of, of something like Christianity or even pre-Christian or not, you know, pagan kind of cults, like 
they at least have a sort of tenuous, perhaps, connection with reality in a way that that these left-wing scientistic uh, thing does not, frankly. That's right, and and there's there's two ways in which uh, you know uh, you, we can look to the uh, the olden times, to the ancients, to the elders for this for for wisdom. One is just that sort of you know the the wisdom that lasts through the ages because it's true right the sort of confucian way of looking at things that that you know or the lindy effect way of looking at things that which lasts a long time lasts a long time for a reason because it it adheres to reality closer than some newfangled craziness right but then there's the other way in which it is it's not just that these all, all these olden times people were just kind of dumb mute stumbling away along to the truth like to again to repeat myself there is very beautiful and rigorous and like frankly much more rigorous in studies like this explanation of these things both in the west and in the east i mean you guys talk about this kind of stuff on your uh, on westward uh Dharmakirti. so you know i don't have like any like great revelation to share with people on this and i and it is sort of coming around to that sort of basic bitch point but it, it really just stuck out of me in this uh, in this particular um, instance. And again, I'm not picking on Rolf Dagan. I mean, he, he's just he's just relating things to his audience. But uh, I thought it was interesting to for a little talk. No, well, thank you for that. No, I agree. And and you know, it's important to take a critical eye to um, the dictates of the science establishment. I think everyone listening to this at this point probably knows I, that. And I just it, yeah, I just realized there's one more thing, and I, I hear you, Kagu, too. So I want to give you a chance. But the other thing, of course, is that uh to get a little more controversial one of the things of course one of the core meditations uh that the buddha recommends uh beyond the ones that are more familiar like meditation on the breath which is the most famous and widely used one is the meditation on the body and there are specific recommendations in the sutras that if you find yourself consumed by lust you should like think of how disgusting like the body is inside yeah, think like of, think like, of like a piss and colon yeah yeah exactly uh which obviously rubs a lot of people the wrong way uh sometimes but i i i never tried it for a long time because i thought oh that's it's so an negative instant, i have to tell you if you're like inappro inappropriately lusting after a female like just think of her even just think like like sitting on a toilet taking a nice big shit is, yep. like <laughs> In and yep. of, without getting into like the blood and the guts and the viscera and the pus and the bile and all the nasty stuff inside um just thinking of that can be it's just like whoosh, cold water on the situation it's very effective yeah it's the wisdom of frog Tritter uh showing pictures of girls nice butts and going brap yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly right um, all right i'm done Okay. I cut you, I cut you, you know, off. What, I what is interesting, though, about about like how you mentioned with science being the only way people think of legitimately knowing things is, in a way, it doesn't really actually provide like real knowledge. It's a bunch of statistical numbers that have been thrown together, and well, we have this p value oh, here, man. and we can say yeah. with this probability that this is true. Well, that's not really knowledge, and I mean, it was kind of pointed out by, I mean, some of the perennial traditionalist authors that science doesn't really give you the knowledge that you'd get from insight. Well, it doesn't even try to. I mean, I don't necessarily want. To, we, this sounds like another um, a topic for a great topic for another time. Um, but yeah, in in brief, like res, epistemologically responsible science doesn't even claim to be providing you with that kind of a knowledge. Like, there's all these you know famous kind of wars between like the 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 big picture kind of philosophy of science thing in the 20th century and into now now to the extent people even think about this at all these days um you know the the, the big picture kind of conflict was between uh Karl Popper and Thomas Kuhn and 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 they had their points of disagreement but they both essentially agreed on the idea that what science provides you isn't actually any kind of ultimately ontologically stable or com you know irrefragable or, or completely you know um, yeah, stable uh, uh, basis for 100% certain knowledge of the nature of reality. That's not what it's doing. That's not what it's trying to do. That's not what it's claiming to do. We, you know, there's kind of disagreement over what exactly it is doing and how exactly it is doing it. But there's no disagreement among response. And then you get people like Paul Feuerabend who are just like, yeah, well, actually, it's just like you know, it's like making a sausage. It's absolutely no different from making a sausage, basically. Um, which I think probably takes it a little bit too far. But the point is, um, yeah, that, that there isn't even an attempt, really, if you, if you really get down into it, uh, to, in, in that, to, to, to be providing that. And that's why I think to sort of, you know, frame this back in terms of our discussion of the, um, 
of the Mula Madhyamaka Karika, like, that is what Nagarjuna is interested in, sort of by contrast. What, what Nagarjuna is trying to ask this question of, well, you know, you say you know that there are phenomena. Okay, well, what are they like, really, in their true nature? Um, how did they get there? How did they get to be that way? What does it mean for them to be the way that they are, that you're claiming that they are, etc.? Um, again, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole at this moment um, necessarily, but I do think it's it's um, again something to worth worth keeping in mind that like there's nothing wrong. Look, I'm glad that we have the internet and the technology. I mean, to some extent, and the technology that I can be, you know, shit posting in my living room, and you all get to be exposed to my terrible shit post. That's that's great. You know, iPads and, and airplanes and so on are are nice. Um, but it's it's also important to keep in mind that. The, the kind of tech the, the kind of knowledge the, the technical knowledge that allows us to manipulate material reality in the ways to produce these outcomes is not in and of itself doesn't really doesn't constitute direct knowledge of the nature of reality as such no that's definitely true and i mean with science i would say it's at its best when it's making these kind of mathematically modeled predictions about how reality the appearances within reality interact with each other so the closer you are to the physics and chemistry side the better and more useful it is the more you can use it for things that are you know like practical like basically the engineering uses of well, that's what box day i i know again i don't i don't 100 i don't 100 percent endorse this but box day always says uh Science that that we that is like basically established and cer settled and certain is called engineering. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, there's, there's definitely something to that. If you can use it for engineering, it's useful. If yeah. you can, you build a bunch of statistical models that say, well, we have a five percent more probability that red yeah, wine might increase your life expectancy by X. Yeah, that's yeah nothing. Well, I guess our. Uh our evil elite masters would say the same thing about the social sciences. If they can use it for engineering, then it's useful. Well, they certainly can oh, use it for social They try to, right? that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Of course, um, the problem with the social sciences is when you actually put them up against the natural sciences, you get some yeah. interesting yeah, contrasts. So, DK, what did you want to get into today? Yeah, so, so this was... Um, Something that's been on my mind, and and I don't necessarily have everything 100% worked out. I'm mean, maybe doing some some thinking as I talk, and I apologize for anyone who um, is confused or anything as a result. But um, it's come up a couple times recently um, on Tedious, where um, uh, Mike and Sven have talked in a way that I and again not to counter signal them. Great guys, love them. I think they do great work, and and um, it's not it's not that I have anything against them, but. I um I've noticed that like so for example we had this incident um this sort of high, latest high profile hate hoax uh where this girl this 12-year-old girl in uh, Virginia falsely claimed that these three white classmates of hers you know held her down and cut her dreadlocks and she was terrified and they were telling her that she didn't belong there because she's black or whatever. Uh, now, you know, again, there's a lot to say about that. And I think, you know, the tedious guys did a great job of breaking that down and, and you know, sort of walking through, you know, everything that was wrong from this, starting with the fact that, like, everyone's bullshit detector should have been going 11 out of 10 from the start. There's absolutely no way this event ever happened, period. You know, just not, it's not a, thing that happens and um certainly not in this kind of elite private school and uh so that that should have you know set everyone off from this from the start and so on but but what i wanted to zero in on um and again this is just sort of one uh one example but i think it's it's, it's the most recent one and it's a it's a good one and I, it, it's indicative of things i've heard in the past and, it, and it's something that i wanted to sort of put out there was um basically because the, the in the aftermath of this being exposed as a hoax, the school did a, 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 a just a completely retarded like both sides ism on it. Like you know, oh well, you know, she basically she did it because she's traumatized by slavery or something. And uh, or do you want to jump in real quick or? No, that was just me heaving a deep sigh. Yeah, well, it's just okay. Okay, so this is what I want to. This is where I want to go with this. Is that's retarded. Okay. 
that's completely retarded and and you shouldn't yeah. do that that is the opposite of what you should be doing that is the opposite of how you should be thinking that is extremely destructive it is destructive to the institution the school that like chooses to respond in that way it is just it is incredibly insulting and destructive to these poor boys who were defamed and could have had their lives ruined um it's also destructive to this little black girl and that's kind of what i wanted to get at because basically i mean i don't want to put words in his mouth and i didn't have time to search through for the exact transcript not that it really matters basically what mike was saying was like this girl doesn't deserve forgiveness doesn't need to be forgiven that he shouldn't that we shouldn't these boys shouldn't and we um in this thing shouldn't forgive her and i want to counter signal that to some extent i want to disagree in a very particular very narrow way which is it's we actually should forgive her not because what she did wasn't terrible, not because she shouldn't be punished, not because there shouldn't be consequences, not because it was okay, but because forgiveness at the end of the day, it isn't about the other person really at all. It's about us. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences. It doesn't mean you never fight back. It doesn't mean, you know, turning the other cheek. I mean, there's a whole other thing about that. I actually don't want to, the point is, whether from a Christian or from a Buddhist perspective or, or any kind of perspective, like it's a simple, I would say, I would submit, I am saying here affirmatively, it is just how things are. It is the nature of the reality. It is the Dharma, whatever you want to call it, that if you don't forgive the people, like the people that do you wrong, what, what does that actually mean in concrete terms? What that actually means is you're holding that insult. You're holding that, injury within you you're not letting it go that's like what the opposite of forgiveness is honestly all forgiveness is really when you get right down to it is letting it go it's saying you know what yes you did this shitty thing it hurt me it upset me maybe very deeply maybe maybe very profoundly maybe you killed my son maybe you killed my family maybe you killed six million of my closest relatives but at the end of the day <laughs> at the end of the day I'm going to let that go. And so it's very important to notice like who lets things go and who doesn't let things go, right? But the point is regardless of like whether other people let things go or not, we ourselves benefit from letting things go, from forgiving the people who do us wrong. Right? So so if someone kills 6 million of your closest relatives and it and you never let that go and it and it stays with you and you just act increasingly shitty because you just are incapable of forgiving this this terrible thing that happened to you and, and your, your relatives, um, that sucks. That sucks for you and that sucks for the people that are on the receiving end of your shitty behavior because that's what it causes at the end. Again, in the kind of, you blow this out on a long enough time scale. What it does is it creates, it perpetuates this cycle of suffering. And the only way you're going to break that suffering, I'm sorry to say, I'm not actually that sorry, but the point is that we have to let things go. We have to forgive people who do even completely gratuitous and, and extremely evil things to us. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean not fighting back. That doesn't mean stopping them. That doesn't mean like it, it doesn't mean being a cuck. Okay. But it does mean forgiving them because it is important and it and I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I just really Amen, brother. Very important to understand I, I, this. Amen I mean, if, and if, go go ahead, cut. I mean, if you believe in karma, you then you ultimately do understand that anything that this person does, which is wrong, is going to be reflected back on them at some point. There's in definitely the future. that as well. Like we don't even—it's not even—it's not—it's not even up to us, you know. It's—it's it's actually it's, it's a teaching I once got. Is uh, basically, I mean, eventually someone can see like if even a person who's robbing you, they're going to get something back in the end. That's. Uh, a consequence of having done that and so we can even feel to an extent some kind of compassion for them i mean let me let me set up a little bit of a straw man here then okay. uh because i agree with you dharma kirti and uh so let's you know let's sure, let's set up a straw man opponent yeah so uh i think you know a, a common response and maybe um you know maybe where mike was coming from i don't know uh is that all right this is not about being good or being right this is about winning this is about coming out on top because that's the way the other side is playing right so we don't have the time we don't have the energy or or, or the resources to play fair to play nice and everything because what we have to do is win yeah but that's I would orthogonal say, to forgiveness i would say that's right and i would say 
piggybacking on what Dharmakirti said, that that's right, it is about winning. And in fact, the winning move yeah. is to show forgiveness. It, because yeah. we talked about this in our episode on anger. I quoted a couple of the sutras, right? And one talking about, you know, anger making your face turn ugly and making your finances turn bad and making people not trust you and everything. So being angry at somebody, it's not exactly forgiveness versus non-forgiveness, but it's related. Uh, is just hurting yourself, and it doesn't actually hurt the other person to to carry around anger. And then, of course, the great the great little quote that uh, that we loved uh, the Buddha talking to this uh, uh, this uh, king who was upset. Be- I think because his son went and joined the sangha. I think that's why the king was upset. I can't remember why. I think it was a Brahmin, um, like a Vedic Brahmin type guy. It doesn't matter. Somebody who yeah, was like, yeah. you're, you Buddha, you, you 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 know, my son was gonna." Do this very prestigious thing, and then he gave it all up and his shaved his head and put on ratty robes and is following you around. What the fuck is wrong with you, you piece of shit? Fucking fucking yeah. losers, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he had all this invective for the Buddha and was calling him all kinds of names. And I, I told this one before, but that was like several it's months ago. One of my ago, favorite so stories. I love this. Let's story, tell yeah. it again. You know. So the Buddha yeah. said, you know, sits there and listens to it. And then he says, you know, tell me, uh, oh Brahmin. Uh, when you have people over to your great house, do you offer them uh, great foods and, and fine things to eat? And uh, Brahman says, "Yes, I do." And he says, "Well, what if they uh, what what if they decline to to eat the foods? Then uh, to whom does that food belong?" And the guy's like, "Well, then it belongs to me." And the the Buddha says, "You know, likewise is the food. Like the words you have just offered me, I decline to to take them." Now, so I they don't know to what, the, what the poly of that is, but it's an. In, I, I just want to point this out because I've, I've got my pundita hat on when I do this. Yeah, do it. Is, yeah. is um, the word in Sanskrit for eat, the root buj, um, actually also, it, it means eat. It can't, I mean, it's one of the many words for eat. It means also more generally consume. It also means very commonly enjoy. And it can also kind of just mean experience. So you imagine like, what what at a kind of deeper level you could say what the when the buddha says like well, he's using this example of food right well like you give the food but the person doesn't eat the food okay well who like he didn't eat it in other words he didn't experience it he didn't consume it it's not an experience that was it was not product this product was not consumed right? <laughs> um it's unconsumed product uh so just just understand it's not is an experience that was like offered that was not experienced in fact um, is I think kind of like at a certain there's a certain maybe potential for a kind of play on words that was happening there or like kind of deeper meaning in a sense um, yeah no I think that's a great story I love that story I think it's a very important model and and then we got a you know related question in in the chat from Flavortown resident who asks you know what if their negative karma involves ourselves fighting back. I want to say that is a distinct possibility. I want to highlight again, nothing, nothing that I'm saying means don't fight back. When it's appropriate, when it's wise, when it is compassionate, we should be fighting back. Um, you know, in, in Minecraft, nonviolently, probably. <laughs> but the point is, the point is that I'm, what I'm trying to make is like, okay, let me, let's come at this from another angle. We've talked a little bit about this before, I think also on the anger episode, which if you haven't you listened, we, we covered some of this before. Sorry, one, one second. Okay. The... the um, you know, there's this whole institution in in Buddhism, primarily these days Tibetan Buddhism, but it's been around for it was in Indian Buddhism for a long time before the our Dharma ever even went to Tibet of wrathful deities. What is a wrathful deity? A wrathful deity is a a fully enlightened Buddha. OK, the, the, the level of realization, the level of insight into the nature of reality is exactly the same as the most kind, compassionate, loving Buddha, which is how we normally think of Buddhas, and indeed they are. But a wrathful deity is a fully enlightened Buddha whose activity, the expression of their enlightenment, does not take the form of, you know, being nice and kind and cuddly. It takes the form of sometimes extreme violence. Um, Now, obviously, this is kind of, you know, there's there's a potential for danger and misunderstanding here, but I just want to emphasize, like, when a wrathful deity, when Vajrakila, okay, when Vajrakila, like, smites those who who are trying to damage the teachings or those who are trying to damage the sangha the community of 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 people who are practicing the dharma that is with nothing but absolute love and compassion in in vajrakila's heart vajrakila is is the intention of vajrakila is 100 percent love 100 percent compassion 100 percent wisdom but the way that that gets expressed is by wrecking shit so it's not to say that there we should never fight back it's to say that like 
if you fight back out of a motivation of revenge and anger and hatred, 100% guarantee that's going to bounce back on you and you're going to be dealing with shitty effects from that. Versus if we fight back in a spirit of love and compassion for those who did us wrong, and if we, we another way of thinking about it, like a, there's a great expression, you know, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't make it personal. Don't think of this as like I, my, because that is your ego, okay? When you take things something personally, that's because it's wounding your pride, it's wounding your ego. That's where that's coming from, and that's you're going to have a bad day if you act out of ego in that way. Don't take it personally. Don't act out of wounded pride. Don't act out of wounded ego. Fight back gently, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm making sense. It makes perfect sense. Fight and back. You know, smart. Smart. Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Don't get wrapped up in the emotion. That is going to make everything 10 times worse. It's going to make you less effective in your action of fighting back. And, and I had actually mentioned this in the last episode we, where we touched on wrathful deities. If if you wanted a comparison to that in the Christian tradition, I mean, you could think of Jesus throwing the money changers out of the temple. It's that same kind of mentality exactly of, right. of compassion towards them because they're doing something wrong, but he's doing it, I mean, he's expressing it quite wrathfully there. That's exactly 100% right. That's like one of, when I, I was trying to explain, so there's, uh, break this down a little bit, and there's in the Tibetan thing, there's, um, but also again, going back to the Indian thing, there's um, four kinds of, four main modes of Buddha enlightened activity. And one of them is wrathful activity. And, and then I was sort of using this of um, this example of Christ, you know, because Christ did that. He behaved, you know, wrathfully, lovingly, compassionately, because preventing a wrongdoer from doing wrong is compassion, is expressing compassion for the wrongdoer. You, you're not letting them, you're not allowing them to accumulate more bad karma. The other um, examples are uh, pacifying activity, which is primarily takes the form of things like curing illness, which Jesus, that was probably like his main thing. I sort of see him, I, I look at Jesus different ways, but you know, most commonly I think of him as like a white Avalokiteshvara kind of figure of just like pacifying illness, pacifying illness, you know, healing the sick, healing the injured, etc. Um, then there's enriching activity, uh, which is associated with the color yellow, which is the, the activity basically multiplying things of making them more and more this is like the miracle of the loaves and the fishes where you know jesus had three however many it was three fish and five loaves i don't remember and and, and then like you know he turned it into a uh a, just an incredible feast for thousands of people and and sometimes people will say like oh the real miracle is the sharing like i mean you could take that away if you want to it's not wrong exactly but there's also a real miracle which is that he was able to multiply a little thing into a, just an enormous thing and that's also a kind of enriching Buddhist uh, Buddha enlightened activity and then there's finally the activity of um, magnetizing of drawing good you know good people and good circumstances to you um, associated with the color red and that is um, that's like when Jesus you know magnetized all the disciples to him um, you know with like like you know he, he um, I guess when, when the kind of first when he first attracted Simon Peter uh, it, he did both. He like right there was this problem of like they weren't able to catch any fish, um, so he said no. You'll go just go out in the in the. He taught the Dharma a little bit or whatever whatever it was he was teaching, and uh, and then he and then he said okay now set out to sail again. And they're like well we haven't caught anything. He's like yeah just do it. He's like okay we'll go because uh, rowboat not probably sailboat, and uh, and they put down their nets and they caught an enormous amount of fish more than they could deal with. Um, which is that kind of enriching activity. And then after the, as they were bringing it back on the shore, you know, they kind of fell on their knees. They're like, all right, we're your people now. We're going to follow you around. And that's the, the magnetizing activity. So you can see these activities in, you know, great enlightened beings. Like, like these, these, these themes are, are common. These are just the typical manifestations that enlightened activity takes um, when, you, when, you're, when you're interacting with beings that have perfected their 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 minds in a certain way their 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 stream of 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 body you know body mind and um and and one of the ways an ineradicable way like one of the ways this manifests it's it's not less than the others it's not less important than healing the sick or or drawing disciples in good circumstances to you or or being able to multiply you know um beneficial things is destroying obstacles destroying evil that is not less important than anything else. Just keep that in mind. Yes, in the case of the disciples, the real miracle was the friends we met along the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's and a whole in the, ca- other t- the case yeah, of sorry. Jesus walks on water, the real miracle is what a nice day it was out. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is the kind of, you're right. I don't again the rabbit holes that uh, we could disappear down, but yeah, liberal it's, theology um, is fun. Yeah. It, did you see the thing the other day? This is total non sequitur, but that's fine. Uh, there were there was some. I think he's an elder in the Presbyterian Church that like wants people to apologize to plants. Like, oh. This is the new thing, and it was yes. I think at Harvard Theolo- a Theological Seminary or Princeton Theological. I forget one of the where else. Whatever, exactly. And it's like, you know, oh, we, we should bring out all the plants and make sure, you know, climate change. I don't even know. I, I just. What are we apologizing very, to them for specifically? It, I think it's because, like, uh, we're all, it's all like one, I, I don't even know, man. Environment, just buzzwords, environmental justice and well, climate yeah. change. And climate change, know. but the plants like the CO2. I, did, did he not you're realize that? <laughs> My sweet summer child, you're thinking entirely too coherently about this. Oh, I forgot about yes. that part. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, that I, that was my rant. I just wanted that was sort of you know when, when we when it came out that we weren't gonna be um, doing continuing the 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 MMK today, which I, th- I think is fine. I think it's good to take a little break in between and, and maybe you know we could do another one of these in between episodes after we read some you know, more. Well, um, I was, you know, oh, go ahead, buddy. I was actually going to say, you know, I mean, what you're saying about forgiveness and is it is I was saying it a little earlier. It's it's essentially orthogonal to the question of winning versus not winning. I mean, one is a question of just setting up the physical, uh, I mean, setting up the situation around, w- w- like, let's imagine, say, the media environment in which this girl is able to have a national platform to spread this story with no fact-checking, thanks to the efforts of all of these journalists who spread this around with no questions. Do I think it would be a good idea to deconstruct that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, but this is this is a completely separate question from whether or not we should hold like, you know, a grudge against the girl personally for having done this thing. I mean, if anything, I would say that the media giving her a megaphone makes it is a much more problematic part to this whole thing. I 100% agree, and and that's another thing is, and, and I don't again, this isn't about me counter signaling the tedious guys or anything like that. I I, I and and I think they did also kind of say that. Like, I, I would just emphasize. You know, whether for the, you know, if, if the boys involved are ever listening to this or if it's ever relevant or even just for those of us who, you know, are aware of these things and, and, and care about these things. It, it, part of the issue, like, again, when we're talking about these things, it's important to keep in mind, you know, the inseparability of wisdom and compassion. Right. So when we're talking about the wisdom aspect specifically, the the point is it's important to, like, a lot of wisdom means identifying the correct object. Like the aura, you know, was kind of getting at that before in terms of the Buddha saying we can, we, you know, we can place our mind on whatever it is that we want to place our mind on, right? So the question is, what is it? What is appropriate? What is effective when we're placing our mind? And and the reality is, as shitty as this girl's behavior was, and as much as I do, I do think it should be punished. And it's important to understand again that like no no part of what I'm saying means you shouldn't punish, um, whether institutionally or personally. At the same time, she is responding. Her family was responding to a system of incentives that they are, at the worst, simply exploiting. And so the real question is who set up that system of incentives? Who pushed the story? Who has the power here? She has some power. She has some power, and she used it for bad ends, right? But She's not, you know, this was, uh, they were, they were reading, it was like, it was like, you know, CNN and ABC and CBS, all the national um, outlets and, and many local outlets, not just in Virginia, but across the nation, like local news, quote unquote, local news um, outlets were running with this story. Um, that's not, in a better country, in a better society, in a real society, and not this fake and gay retarded shit that we live in now, this was never would have happened because first of all, someone would have said bullshit. And, and if one local Virginia outlet, you know, reported on it as allegations, then it would have, it, oh, so what? Like no one, you know, El Paso is not going to run with this story just because wherever Virginia did. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's, it's, it's incentivized. Right? Like, it, like, first of all, you could look at it. What ha- what would happen if she made up this story and it never got picked up? But of course, I think what both you guys are getting at is that 
she's only even making up this story because it she's been like she's been like indoctrinated to know that like this is like you know not even know it's 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 like a precognized thing that this this is the right thing to do right that to 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 make up these kinds of stories because uh, I don't know I don't want to get too deep into the fucked up psychology of it but I I, I honestly think a lot of these uh, made up hate hoaxes are hoaxed by people who actually believe the other hoaxes and they think that these things are happening all the time and because they're happening all the time that there needs to be some sort of drastic action um <laughs> more drastic than we already have um to you know to like stop the white menace or whatever no, um, well, and sure so they they yeah, make up stories yeah. and so they make up stories that fit this narrative that they really do believe is happening and it's justified on their level because like they're stopping the world's greatest evil, and so it's okay if you tell some lies to get there. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, there's some aspect of that for sure, but I, I honestly just think it's power. It's it's not even, I mean, you don't, like, that's yeah. kind of psychology. That's giving I think them some of them actually psychology. do believe it, though. Yeah, but it's so what? It's like, both, it, they it, dovetail. It's, it's, a, it's a self-serving motivation for the acquisition and exercise of power. Like it, it, these aren't mutually exclusive. I, I I would just emphasize the part of it where yeah. it's like, and, and again, you don't want to necessarily. At at the end of the day, you know, so what? Like the psychological motivations don't really matter. What what really matters is the end result, and 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 what we're seeing is you know more and more of this, and the more increasingly hysterical national media, which is which is you know among other things, one of the reasons why I think it's so important for us to i guess you would say in in the uh in the manosphere you know maintain frame um we we have to maintain frame we have to stay calm we have to stay collected and and yes when something is bullshit call it bullshit and when something requires or you know it would be when when, when vigorous action is appropriate you know then then it's appropriate but um that's different from getting wrapped up in our emotional response, which is just never going to end well for anyone, least of all ourselves. No. And if you're focusing on the girl, you're focusing on the wrong target here. I mean, let's think of her. Let's think of of the Jesse Smollett thing. Let's think of the Covington Catholic thing. Another great example. Yes. Thank you. Both great examples. Every single one of these things. I, I I can't think of a single one of those type of events which was actually real, like in the last two years. Every single one of them was a media hysterica. Hysterical media reaction to nothing. I can't think of a single real one either. I, I really can't. Uh, it's there a big country, guy, so. But I mean, like that. Well, was, yeah, but which that one? wasn't. But that wasn't like well, a, exactly. That wasn't like like poop swastikas in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any of these, <laughs> which was also yeah, fake, these, as I recall. Hmm. No, but where it's a single person reporting this thing that happened, I can't yeah. think of a single one that no. that wasn't. No, didn't turn out to be a hoax. Um, you know, Storm King's not here, so I'm going to step in and bring up the uh, the sweet and sensitive side of things um, in Next his time. absence, because that's usually his role. Um, we love you, Storm. Um, <laughs> the other the other flip side of forgiving other people, of course, is forgiving yourself. Um, and there's some interesting teachings on this in Buddhism. Um, there's a teaching on, um, and I don't have source right in front of me, so I'm speaking sort of extemporaneously, but there's a teaching on like um, uh, proper regret, right? So when your own actions uh, have led to harm for other people, um, and especially for yourself, it's actually considered good and right that you should feel remorse, you should feel regret. Um, but only, and this is important, only if you're going to use that regret, that remorse, to power yourself to not doing that again, right? And to, to taking better actions in the future. So there's none of this, uh, you know, sometimes people in, you know, pop psychology modern days are like, oh, I, I, you should never regret anything you've ever done. It's like, no, yeah, <laughs> you right. should. You, you should regret your evil actions. But the point of the regret is not to sit there and, yeah, not sound cheesy or anything, but it's, the point is not to beat yourself up. The point is not to get down on yourself. The point is to recognize What's causing harm? What's causing harm? And we've said this before on this podcast, but I maybe we don't say it enough. The whole point of the whole thing is to be happy. That's literally yeah. the whole point. The whole point of Buddhism is to be happy, is to feel joy, happiness, and like amazing 
happiness. Uh, and so what you want to do is actions that lead to happiness. So when you perform actions that lead to sadness and anger and hate and bad things, then you should feel bad about them. But the point of feeling bad is is to create more happiness in the future. So, you know, when you when you do unskillful things and maybe, you know, let's say when you in a situation like the one we're talking about with this girl, maybe um, you err by not forgiving uh, readily enough and you, you carry this around and later you look back and you say, God, I, I should have just shown more forgiveness. Okay, that's fine. Forgive yourself for not forgiving. Move on and build something better. I think that thank you for that aura. That was beautiful and and well said. And and yeah, I mean, so much of this comes down to kindness. And and you know, maybe this is cringy. I don't actually care. It's being kind doesn't mean being weak. It doesn't mean being a cuck. It doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean any of that. And 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 it, it it certainly doesn't mean letting people walk all over you. What it means is, uh, what it means is being honest. Actually, it means it means being gentle and being honest and being seeing things for what they are, and being respectful, even when that's hard, but not. I think I, I, I'm, I'm, so much of this comes down to I think there's a really um, you, you kind of highlighted this or when you were talking about pop psychology. Uh, there's a big confusion, I think, between what I would call dignity and self-centeredness. There's this whole thing about, you know, oh, you know, um, treat yourself, right? Or you got to take self-care is the word. Well, we, sh we should take care of ourselves. It's not, not that there's anything wrong with taking care of ourselves. But th so much of this comes down to recognizing that we are, we have dignity. That everyone has, all, I, I would say, again, all sentient beings have dignity they have the dignity that their nature the nature of their minds is pure and perfect and can and stainless and could never you know maybe there's all kinds of stuff you know stu you know animals are famously kind of stupid compared to, especially to humans and humans themselves have all kinds of you know greed and lust and pride blah blah, blah. okay fine but the nature of the mind is pure and perfect and stainless and always was and always will be and it can never none of that none of those kind of um defilements ever really touch at all it's fundamental nature. Okay, so what that means is that all sentient beings have basic dignity. And recognizing that dignity in ourselves and in others, that's the essence of kindness. And that, I'm, look, I fail at this all the time. I'm not trying to set myself up as some kind of guru or anything like that. I'm simply pointing out that, and, and again, this is true from my own experience. And if your experience is different, you know, I, I'd love to hear about it. And, and if you don't believe me, I would love for you to try as an experiment, a scientific, that's a real science experiment, is to try recognizing I have dignity, other beings have dignity. You know, we have this, this is our nature. It doesn't mean when, you know, they act in ways that are hurtful or offensive or dangerous that we don't do anything. It just means proceeding from that recognition instead of getting caught up in this story about, oh, they hurt me so bad and I need to do this because they need to suffer because, 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 because. Yeah. Um I, I never know if I should I never know if I should go into this stuff um, when I talk about my own my own personal experiences that aren't stories that they're just like internal experiences because I, I don't know how it maps onto language and I also like you DK I'm not I don't want to set myself up as like oh the wise aura had this great enlightened experience let me tell you about it nevertheless they're true experiences and so obviously I don't hesitate that much because I tell them anyway so um well, go for it you know about that about that sense of dignity um there's a phrase uh, uh the customs of the noble ones um which is a way of summarizing how do how do the buddha and the arahants um behave what what, what is it that they do um and i like 
the idea of thinking of them as noble ones. Um, and I can feel in myself, not <laughs> our hotship or Buddhahood, although I think it's in there, um, but that when I'm locked in on my own behavior being right, and it's not just that I did the right thing, but I did it in this sort of controlled way that you were talking about before, DK, um, that that sense of like, all right, justice must be done here. And maybe justice right now is being quiet or maybe it's, you know, <laughs> striking somebody before they have a chance to strike somebody yeah. else. Who maybe knows? Who knows loud. what the situation is? Yeah, maybe, maybe it's loud. being loud. Uh, but it comes from this um, sense of uh, centeredness. Um, anyway, what I'm what I'm was hesitating to even talk about is that I actually have felt um, uh, this almost like a, a a sense of being like a pillar, and I mean that quite literally. I don't mean that in a figurative sense. I mean like a, a connection from above the head to down through um, mm. like the root chakra, like down mm. between the feet into the earth, and it's this very strong and firm pillar but it's not tight it's not it's like loose at the same time and it's just this sort of center that you're acting from and that i only ever get that if i've been like observing the precepts and meditating a lot and then also making sure to interact with the rest of the world so it's not just like on retreat or something like that anyway it's an incredibly powerful feeling and actually what's most interesting about it for me is that how much it contrasts with the way that I live my life when I'm not like that, which unfortunately is a lot of the time, which is kind of this scrabbling, scrambling, like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings movies, kind of like, you know, like <laughs> trying to get around it. it. Even the stuff that I'm doing that it like is fine behavior, when it's from this sort of uncentered place, like it has that sort of quality of like scrambling and scraping around uh, as contrasted with this kind of like upright, the posture of a king, uh, the posture of a noble one kind of thing. Uh, I guess I don't have any way to summarize that. I, I already regret telling <laughs> telling that, but um, I, I, I guess my point is that it, it, it can be an actual lived feeling at the same time. That's not the end and the be all of it. I don't think that that's the goal or anything. It's just a phenomenon I've noticed that manifests along the way. Yeah. Um, no, I... <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to add. I think that's really thank you for sharing. And um Yeah. No, no, really. And and I think that <laughs> I think it's important, you know, I don't know what our who our audience would be interesting to know, you know, sort of who's tuning in. But I think most people maybe are curious but maybe don't have necessarily much experience. And I, I, I know for for me, um particularly when I was first starting out, even now to some extent, um there there's a real power in hearing that these things are possible and in in understanding um in understanding that like actually you know you don't have to be a slave to your passions to your worst impulses and and that extraordinary feats of 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 body and mind are possible and yes you know miracles and magic powers and so on too i would i would absolutely defend that, but you don't even need to get that exotic. I, I think um, there's a sense in which, you know, being able to remain calm and kind, even as people are insulting you and attacking you in the worst, most vicious and unfair ways is kind of the real miracle in a certain sense. Um, right. Yeah. And let, let me let me add also that, like, it's not anhedonic. Right. It's actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not detached. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's important. People have there, this idea this... like. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about like, being you know, calm, you don't care anymore. yeah, like, or no. being Christian, or yeah. people think that being Christian means that you have to become like this uptight, annoying loser or something. I don't know what what people. I, I don't think any smart people think that, but like you know, Reddit tier atheists seem to yeah, think that. Yeah, sure. And it's and, how the culture um, talks about it is is also yeah important. To, yeah, yeah, and even Buddhism, which gets this like uh, aura of like uh, you know cool Orientalism these days in the West, it's still like you know, it's still portrayed as like somehow being like yeah you're not enjoying things anymore because you're so like zenned out or something it's like it that sensation of being in control and being um you know again i'm not trying to say i'm in full control but like having more control i guess over your own actions and seeing things and choosing the kind way choosing the smart way and everything it it is actually a form of hedonism in itself like it feels <laughs> fucking fantastic yeah. like it's 
like the same thing like chasing after lusts or whatever like you think giving that up uh is like somehow not gonna having pleasure in life be, but yeah, yeah but right. it, it's the opposite it's like yeah, way better right. <laughs> that's exactly right no it's you you are right about that like let's say something that you know you might think of as being really silly like moving the bug that you find in your house outside rather than just squashing it on the spot it's it's remarkable that when you take that 30 seconds to do that how much better you like you get some kind of better feeling about that lasts for quite a while afterwards just having that mindfulness towards that living being for just a second. That's right. And it's not even like, oh, not that like dopamine hit of like, oh, what a great person I am. It's just a no, sort of like, just like, you're just sort of like acting in the world in the proper way. Like it, everything lines up and it feels true, right. Again, when I was talking about the true nature of the, I mean, I, I don't, I'm putting it in this highfalutin language and I don't want to get in trouble with the Dharma protectors for talking about shit I shouldn't be talking about, but I think it's okay to talk about it that way. And the point is that uh yeah like the you know our minds in their in their real nature and are are a certain way reality in its real nature is a certain way in its in its real when 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 these things are working they are in accord with each other in a certain way and so when we act in accord with the way that things really are that brings us closer to the way that our minds really are which is actually their nature is this kind of blissful happiness um that aura was talking about before so um that that i think is 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 important and and, and again it, like this gets at like it's it's this is not about um what am i trying to say all beings want this why do beings do bad things I mean, their their minds can be twisted, and and they can be, you know, it, it's not that I that they're necessarily doing things out of like a a, a good faith effort to um, to be happy in the in a proper way, but you know, in a sense, they're chasing pleasure or they're chasing some object that they think is going to be you know beneficial to them in some way, even if only temporarily, like a you know a, a drug addict taking a hit of the heroin, the heroin to him in that moment presents itself as an object that's desirable that's going to provide him with something that he wants so he acts in a way to acquire it okay the point is um all beings you know all beings are like that we're all like this right and so if we can see our opponents our enemies as beings that are behaving in this way yes inappropriately yes even in a way that is evil and needs to be fought against at the same time, we can sort of like have a certain baseline level of compassion for them as we can have compassion for, you know, this bug that's just hanging out and doesn't want to be killed. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't, it would not, how much, you know, we wouldn't like it if some giant just squashed us out of nowhere and we were suddenly dead, right? Well, bugs don't like that either. Um, and in the same way, you know, this little girl or our enemies or whoever they are that, like, you know, yes, there are, there are very evil people in this world that want us dead, that want to, you know, our children raped and brainwashed, et cetera. We all know the same Hyde quote. The point is, you know, they want that because they think completely wrongly that it's going to help them, that it's going to be beneficial to them, that it's going to, you know, make their situation better. It's not. And, and, and that's one of the main reasons why we need to oppose them and we need to act against that. Um, but we should also keep in mind while we're doing that and it'll make our actions more effective and it'll make our lives better and it'll make us happier if we act against those evil people in a way that um, that recognizes, you know, well, these people are all so sentient beings, they have minds, they want things, and they're just going about it the wrong way in a certain sense. And, 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 and again, so much of this to me is about kind of um, lowering the, the ego stakes. We remove this question of like my ego getting wrapped up in the, in the equation. It's like, no, you know, my, you know, my, um, I'm a being, I, I am, you know, I want to be happy there. That's this other person, this enemy of mine is a being, you know, he or she or whatever gender pronoun Zer wants to be happy. Um, and, um, and we have to show title. <laughs> Zer wants to be happy. I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you, you, you see, uh, I think you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, definitely, man. Was there anything um, you all wanted to 
was there anything y'all wanted to add? No, I really appreciate our listeners and uh, our commenters as always. Um, Definitely. I, I, yeah, personal thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, I think the audio is working for some people and maybe not for others. We're, we're continuing to work on it. This is a yeah, labor of know, love. This is a new microphone for me, so I'm not sure if this is if it's on my end or if it's someone else's. If yeah, anyone has any. Yo, oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So, if anyone has any, I, I, I guess, um, not sure who precisely they're saying is, is too low. Well, well, we'll, saying... we'll, I don't think we should try to hash it out right now. I just no, wanted to, we'll I just wanted to, yeah. express to our listeners that this is a labor of love, and we, we are in fact working on it. DK has put in a lot of work on this, and Storm King, as uh, who knows a lot about audio, is advising us too, and we are making an effort to fix it. Uh, and I'm some efforts for coming on my end. So stick with us, guys. If you like the content and stuff, we're we're working on the audio quality at the same time because we care too. We do care. Absolutely, we want this to Definitely. be the best that we can that it can be. Um, just generally, I think I think I I've gotten. I also want to say um, the. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of listeners um, thanking us for doing this. And I want to say, you know, uh, thank you for all the kind words. This is really appreciated. I, you know, this is, as Aura said, a labor of love for us. I think it's something that's really important. And I'm really glad to see that um, it seems to be connecting with people in a certain way and, and, and providing a, um, a beneficial perspective. So um, thank you. Thank you for all that. And uh, yeah, if anybody has any kind of, you know, questions or anything else um as always please feel free to reach out but if if uh if there isn't for now um i i, I said my rant for today so um and i think we had some great uh things kagu did you have any any last words i mean not really i think i had made the point i wanted to earlier about just um you know considering that forgiveness and disempowering those who are trying to do bad things are two very separate things it's it's kind of like I was saying, you know, I mean, you want to be mindful about not causing unnecessary suffering to other living beings. But at the same time, you know, if you're the kind of person who, you know, you want to keep, uh, you, you want to be, you don't want to feel like you need to give yourself up. So if you, um, you can say it's, there's no um, contradiction between nonviolence and say keeping a handgun in your nightstand in case someone breaks in wanting to do you harm. Both yes. of those are perfectly... Um, can be seen as, as two sides of the same thing of nonviolence. Just as long as you don't go beyond the necessary level of force to um, ensure that. Excellent point. Thank you again. Thank you again to all our listeners. This has been Right Wing Dharma Squads, and we will catch you next time.